<coughs> Stanley will share with you the handout. You can reach out to him if for some reason you don't have it or don't have access to it. But where are we up to? First of all, good morning. It's the 12th of Av. And um, we are post the Mabel, not post the Mabel, I'm sorry, pre the Mabel. And uh, Noah has been instructed about building the Teva. We spent the last couple of times speaking about the HaKadosh Baruch Hu making the covenant with him. You will come to the Teva, you and your children, your sons and your wife and their wives. We, last time we talked about that idea of Noah somehow, at least during the time of the Mabul, uh, separating and is ch- separating either as a matter of empathy or because they shouldn't be running counter. Hashem is busy destroying the world. They shouldn't at that moment be busy building it. Okay, so we're up to verse Yotes, Pasuk Yotes, verse 19, in Perek Vav, 619. And from all living things, from all flesh, two of each, you should bring to the Teva, to give life to, together with you, you. Male and female they should be. So they were instructed, Noach was instructed to bring to the Teva two of each. You should bring them to the Teva to, bring, to, to give them life. Now we know that he's going to be instructed when it comes to certain animals, from the kosher animals, that there should be Shiva, Shiva, 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, the two is apparently a minimum. And we're not going to be dwelling on that today, about that aspect of the discussion, but that's clear. It would seem clear that two is the minimum, or there may be some other angles to explaining the difference between the two and the seven when it comes to how Noah actually did it, his role. That's something with, which, with Hashem's help we will discuss in the future, uh, but, but, uh, but not focus on today. Instead, today we're going to focus on something, a little bit in the heebie-jeebie category, but you guys can handle it. And, uh, and, uh, and that is that um, a little focus for a moment on a language problem in the Pasuk. Mikol from all living things, Mikol Basar, from all flesh. Two of each you should bring to the Teva. What is that description, Mikol Achai, Mikol Basar? Now, it's worth looking at this in the in relation to Tupsukim earlier, Pasuk Yud Zayin. What does it say, Tupsukim earlier? You have it on your sheet, those of you who have the sheet. Hashem says, I'm bringing the marble of water on the earth, L'shaches Kol Basar, Asher Boiru Achayim, to destroy all flesh that has within it the spirit of life. Beneath the heavens, Kol everything that's on the earth will perish. L'shaches Kol Basar, to destroy all flesh that has within it a spirit of life. And here it says, Mikol from all the living, Mikol Basar, from all flesh. It's not the same formulation. It's not the same formulation at all. And perhaps, in fact, one might say that it's, uh, it's different. It's two different things. Mikol achai, mikol basar. Why doesn't it say mikol basar hachai? From all flesh that's alive. It says he'll destroy all flesh that has in it ruachayim. There's some distinctiveness to how chai is presented here. So look at Rashi. Says Rashi, Mikol Achai Afilu Shedim, even spirits. 
Shadim, as you know, are spooks, ghosts, right? Spirits. So even those, Noach was instructed to bring into the Teva. As you'll see, the note, Sisei is from the Gurai, from others, Generally speaking, as we're going to have, we speak about the bosser, the flesh. Why does it have almost a separate clause, a separate category, from all the living? So that leads them to say, Shadim is not, do not naturally or easily fit into kol basar, all flesh. They're not the typical presentation of the flesh, of the physical. So therefore, the Pasuk goes out of its way to say that when it came to this, that nevertheless Noach salvaged them. Noach was instructed to salvage them. Now this is, of course, an interesting thing because... We don't even know what these things are. What are these shadim? What are they? We have many times in the literature of Chazal that they speak about shadim, and we don't know what it is. Like, what is this? You know, the haunted house? And yeah, Chazal speak all the time about the haunted house, the ruin, the building which people don't live in anymore, which is instead occupied by shadim or the desert, or an abandoned place, or dark after dark when the shadim come out. You know, it's straight out of, you know, the, 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 the haunted, uh, you know, literature that we have, which we laugh at. But in Chazal, they speak about it extensively. Now, to be fair, Taisva says in a couple of places, Taisva says in Yuma and elsewhere, that you know, the phenomenon which was spoken about in Chazal as something that they saw and experienced, we don't have anymore. And Tosfus doesn't necessarily, it says that, you know, many of the practices which were adopted because of Shadim, we don't deal with. But, you know, we still have to understand it. And we're not going to write off Chazal as being some kind of simple superstitious thing. We know that can't be. Uh, always say, you know, a line of thinking of the Maral, which we learn together, and it's Pashut, is that you can't sit and one page learn the intricacies of torts and contract law and the questions and, for, you know, back and forth using the razor-sharp Talmudic logic, right, which is so razor-sharp that it makes it that, you know, the, the, the yeshiva guys, you know, go and take the LSATs and they and they they, uh, they they score like crazy on the LSATs without any you know liberal arts background because they have the Talmudic logic down you know you know you know down pat. That kind of thinking is so developed in the Gemara, and then suddenly they get into the superstitious stuff about ghosts and goblins. Right? It's the same author. It's the same book, for goodness sake. So they weren't saying irrational, silly things. People don't get moody like that. You know, go from cold, hard, brilliant analysis to uh, superstitious musings. So we understand that they were chachamim, they were sages. But what on earth is this? We're not familiar with this phenomenon. Now, again, you know that we're not familiar with prophecy either. We're not familiar with a lot of things which once were more of a presence in a more spiritual world. 
but what is the what is the you know the the reality of this notion of the shadim of the spirits of the spooks of these ghosts what's going on i would have preferred to give this sheer towards the end of october it would be more seasonal but nevertheless we're going to do it now so what's the what's the what's the what's the story so first let's take a quick look at the Medrash, which is the source for this Rashi. It's source Dalad on your sheet, if you wish. It's the Medrash Rabba right here in the Pasuk. Mikola Basar, Mikola Chai, Mikola Basar Shnaim, Amra Vaishya, Afilu Ruchais, Nichnasim, Imnayach, Alateva, Shinemar, Mikola Chai. Even the spirits entered with Noach into the Teva, as it says, Mikola Chai from all of anything. Me Oison Shiv, Nivrulem Nefoshais, Vle Nivrulem Gufim. From those that had souls created, but not bodies. That's what they are. That's that's the diuk, right? As we learned in the as the Susei Chachamim brought from the Mefarshei Rashi, right? What what is the derivation from? Because it counts Chai and it's, it describes Chai separately without Bosar. so it's referring to things that have life, that have a spirit, but don't have a body, and that is a description of the Shadim. So what does that mean? What again? What is that? Who are they? So I want to tell you the way we're going to approach this. I'll just give you a little bit of a roadmap for the way we're going to approach this. Um, we're going to go through three steps. Step number one is I'm going to learn with you a little piece from the Derech Hashem about Shadim, where he describes what they are to some degree. We're going to learn a little bit from the Maral, who's going to talk not about Shadim per se, but about a context in which we find Shadim brought up, and you'll be able to see it a little bit there. And then to really come to the final understanding, we're going to go back to a different comment of the Medrash. And what we're going to see, I think, is going to be quite interesting, quite eye-opening. You know, it's interesting in the discussion of Shadim. I think it'll give us a little insight into, not a little insight, I think meaningful insight into what Chazal speak of and what they reference constantly with this idea of the spooks. But we might even come up with something that's a little bit practical. That's a little bit practical in our own mindset. I don't mean technical practical, because again, we don't deal with Shadim as a practical reality to a great degree. However, something that is, uh, that is still going to be practical in terms of understanding mindset and the way our own minds uh, you know, consistently work. Excuse me for one moment. Okay? You guys with me? Nice to see all of you. See more of some of you than others. Irv, uh, for your screen. There, a little Noah's Ark action. I just want to know where in that Noah's Ark you have Shadim. You'll have to explain that later. Um, so, uh, so um, okay. So let's learn a little bit here in the Derech Hashem. The Derech Hashem, it is very interesting. You know the Derech Hashem is a, one of, one of our, our favorite Svarim. It's, a, it's a, the Sefer of the Ramchal, a very, very organized, good to see you, Jack, very organized uh, Sefer of the Ramchal on, uh, uh, who outlines and presents a Hashkafa uh, HaTorah, you know, the Torah's thinking in, in, the, in a very, very beautiful and ordered way. And a uh, very interesting thing, 
the Derch Hashem is a very practical, logical philosophy that he lays out. And that's the way most of the book goes. But at the end of several, at the end of the very last chapter in the first chilek, the very last chapter in the second chilek, he takes us into a world which is more, more explicitly mystical. And as you'll see, I'll just read to you here, with you here, a little bit of the first paragraph of Perakei, of the, uh, the, which is the last chapter, the first section of Derech Hashem. And in here he describes the Shadim. The world as a whole contains physical and spiritual things. Physical things are things which we can sense using our typical five senses. The lower upper ones and the lower ones. The lower ones heim klal hagormiim hashomaimiim. Dehainu hagalgalim vekechveim hatachtoinim heim klal mashe bechalagal hatachtoin. Dehainu haoritz hamayim ha'avir vechol mashe bayim min hagufim hamurgoshim. Says in the physical realm, we have things are in the upper world, the sun and the moon and the stars, and we have things in the lower world, the earth down here, the water, the plants. Those are all physical things in our world. Okay, very simple, straightforward. Nothing new about that. Haruchniyim, when it comes to the spiritual, These are creatures that have no physicality. And therefore they are not able to be sensed by our five senses. Our five senses are ways that we sense physical things. But they're divided into two categories. So echod nivdolim. One is souls, and the other is nivdolim, transcendent beings. What does that mean? Neshamais are spiritual entities that are meant to be wedded to physical entities. Right? A soul is created to be within a body. So it's a spiritual thing. It can't be sensed with the five senses. It won't show up on an x-ray, a CAT scan, or an MRI. It's not able to be sensed by the physical senses. But it will become part of something that is completely physical. Right? The body is completely physical until, of course, you put the neshama in it, then it's not completely physical anymore. Right? But the neshama is meant to be part of a body. That's one kind of spiritual entity. But then there are, now you understand, the nivdolim. Nivdolim means, we translated it the transcendent. Right? What it means is the separate, meaning they are spiritual things that remain as spiritual things without a physical body that they become a part of. Hanivdolim, heminivroim ruchniim, spiritual things, bilti musadim, legufais klal, not destined to be part of a body at all. Binechlokim lishnei chalokim. And these in turn can be divided into two. One is forces, and the other category is messengers, angels. They come on different levels. They have their own, so to speak, laws of nature, according to their levels, etc. And we can call them many species of one type. Again, there's the angelic, and then there are the koiches, spiritual forces, and spiritual messengers, spiritual angels. 
I'm not going to spend much time with you going into that distinction. Today, it's not relevant for us so much. But listen to the next couple of lines, which is why we're pulling this out, but the, the backdrop, the context which he drew is very important for understanding it. But I want to tell you, there's one kind of creature which is something between a spiritual thing and a physical thing. You can't sense it with the five senses. And it's not part of, it's not mixed in, it's not connected to those things that exist within physical parameters that are able to be sensed. And for that reason, we refer to it in a certain sense as a spiritual thing. Imprecisely, we refer to it as a spiritual thing because it's not, you can't sense it by physical means. However, it is still fundamentally different than that which we refer to usually as the spiritual, which is the angelic. Even though it's like the angelic in certain ways, as we already said, it's not, you can't sense it physically. And it has some specific things with which it is like the angels. This species is known as Hashedi'i. Right? The shade type. Shumin Hashedim. The species which we call Shedim. They're not quite angels. They're not physical. There's something in between the spiritual and the physical. That's what a shade is. A shady character. Right? It's somewhere in between the spiritual and the physical. It's not an angel. An angel is a spiritual being. A shade is spiritual in the sense that it doesn't have physical, it's not physically tangible. But it's not a physical being. And neither is it exactly a spiritual being. Hmm. What is it? Now for fun, let's do... One more paragraph, not for fun, but for, for just to crystallize and clarify something which is going to be important for our context later. Human being is utterly unique in creation because he's a combination of two completely different things. A human being is a combination of the lofty soul and the lowly body. What we find in no other creature now, here you have to be careful. Don't make a mistake to think that other living things are like people. In other words, you see men walk around, you see cows walk around, you see apes and orangutans walk around. The soul of animals is not a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing. Okay, it's a more a refined physical thing. It's not like a piece of meat, which you can handle and touch. Right? Life, the life force in animals, is more like a spirit. We use the term nefesh 
for it. But remember, it didn't come from on high. It didn't come from Hashem. It came from the earth. It's what we call usually organic life. The earth produced a living thing. A human being has some of that component within him as well. But what a human being has, what the animal doesn't have at all, is a higher soul. That it's a creature of its own. Separate from the body altogether, distant from it entirely. That with the decree of Hashem was attached to the physical body. For the intent we described before. If you follow, if you know what the Ramchal wrote before, you know that the essence of a human being is, of course, this combination. That we are a combination of heaven and earth, of physicality and spirituality. And our task in life is to define that composition, define that relationship. Bechira is a unique quality of man, choosing between where our spiritual side pulls us and where our physical side pulls us. Right? So that's essential to man. So Ramchal writes again, what, what, what did we learn here in this section of the Derech Hashem? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu created physical things and spiritual things. There are lots of physical things which we can sense with our five senses. There are spiritual things which we cannot. A human being is one being that is a combination of the physical and the spiritual. Animals that have a quote-unquote spirit, yeah, but that's, that's a measurable thing too. It's more delicate, but it's also measurable. You measure it with a heartbeat. You measure it with brain waves. Right? That's physicality. That's all physicality because it's measurable and it's noticeable. The soul that's in a human being is not measurable, not noticeable by the five senses, but you better believe it, it's there. And that's the unique mafli lasos of a human being that Hashem is kosher ruchni begashmi, that Hashem connected the spiritual to the physical completely in a human being. Okay, but I, I'm distracting you, aren't I? We're here not to talk about that. We're here to talk about shadim. But shadim are interesting, right? Because what are they? What did the Ramchal say? They're physical things with a spiritual quality, we don't know exactly what to call them. They're in Emtsoi, Bein Ruchni, Vagashmi, there's something between the spiritual and the physical. What do we make of these things? What are they? Something between the spiritual and the physical? So a human being is uniquely a melding of the spiritual and physical. And there are all these creatures which are completely physical, and there are all these creatures which are completely spiritual. A human being is a melding of the spiritual and the physical. And a shade is in the no man's land between the spiritual and the physical. Hmm. Hmm. Anybody can play some Twilight Zone music, please. Like what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shlomo David. Um, right? so, so, uh, so what do we do with this? Where is this? Okay, let's now... I want to take you someplace else. By the way, if you'll look way back into your notes, you'll probably find that we learned at least part of this Derech Hashem once upon a time. Part of it. You'll also find, if you look back in your notes, probably, 
not sure, but probably, you'll learn also what we're about to learn. But again, it goes way back that I wouldn't accuse any of you of remembering it. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's, it would be way, way back, going back years, years. Halavai, maybe you remember it. It'll be even great. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I apologize. Rabbi Howard, um, it, it may be off track here, but if uh, Hashem included the Shadim, then the Shadim must have purpose. Even though we have no apprehension of them, or at least most of us most of the time have no apprehension of them, they must have purpose. They must be constitutive of existence here on earth. They you must would, have, some, therefore, some importance. You would guess, and especially, especially, if Hashem told Noach, save them, because that's what we're learning here. That's what brought this up. He said, Noach, mikol achai, make sure you get those shadim in the teva. Right? No Venetian blinds. Shadim. By Howard? Yeah. The name of Hashem Shakai is the name, same spelling as shadim. Shade. Shade. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's a very, very interesting thing. That's a very, very interesting thing. And interestingly, it, in it, we have two sides of a coin. What's the common denominator between the term shakai and shade? Right? Which is two, you know, the shade is two letters, shakai is, is three. So there are different interpretations of the name of Hashem of shakai. We know that it's used to overcome nature, right? To, 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 to show mastery over nature. Sha'amar la'olamo dai, right? The famous Chazal, he said to the world, stop, right? I control the world. Okay, there are different interpretations even of that statement. But Hashem contained the world with the name Shakai. It's a name which is used in a certain sense to be mishaded. Mishadeid, you know what it means to be mishadeid? Mishadeid means like to, to, to rob or to dominate the marochos, the normal order of the world. Now, a shade is also a mishadeid. It's also a robber. It's a destructive force. But you understand that there's the negative destructive force, which is there to destroy the world. And then there is the positive destructive force, so to speak, of HaKadosh Baruch, or the positive containing force, which is Hashem doesn't allow the physical world to grow and dominate. Hashem masters the world. He overcomes it. So you know that you know, there are two ways you can be destructive, or there are two ways you can dominate, right? And the, the Shadim are not doing it in order to occupy it with a greater spirit. They're just undermining. They're just destroying the physical world. Whereas Hashem is doing it in the positive sense. So, yes, the names are similar. Even the expression, the concept, the, 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 the push of it is to a degree similar. Except one is totally negative and one is totally positive. Zel umazeh. Right? The negative force, the positive force, which is, again, part of the larger discussion where this comes up further, which is we have such a thing called spiritual forces, and we have such a thing called kochos hatuma, impure forces. And the shadim are leading members in the impure forces category. 
but they're there for something, right? Right. Well, like was said before, why are they there? They have to be there. So one way to see it, by the way, is that Hashem had to create a world with balance. Right? There has to be impure forces to balance the positive forces. There has to be a world of good and bad, right? Everything has positive sides and not so positive sides. That's just part of the way Hashem set up the world. So it's a world of variety of choice, and it's not just a slam dunk. There'll come a time, there's a Yaakov, there's an Esav. Right? There'll come a time when one will be destroyed, dominated, eradicated, you know, whatever it is. But for now, maybe we need to have this negative stuff. But let's look further. Let's look further. Okay? So let me remind you here of a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, Perikei. There were 10 things that were created Friday afternoon during twilight. And these are they. Piharetz, the mouth of the earth, which swallowed up Korach. Piabe'er, the mouth of the well that brought forth water for Moshe Rabbeinu, for Miriam. Piha'osain, the mouth of the donkey. We'll leave the comments for later. The Hakeshes, the rainbow, the Hamon, the Hamata, Moshe Rabbeinu's staff, the Hashomir, and the Shomir. The Shomir was that famous worm, right? That miraculous, that, that ate through stones. The Haksava Hamichtav, right? The writing, the inscription of Akkadish Baruch Hu on the Luchos, different interpretations, the Luchos themselves. The Yesh Aimrim, some say Af Hamazikin. Some say even the damagers. What are the damagers? Otherwise known as shadim. Shadim and mazikim, same thing. I mean, basically, I don't know, maybe somebody distinguishes between them. The standard understanding is shadim equals mazikim. Mazikim means damaging forces. They were also created Friday afternoon, Benash Moshos. Now, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. If anybody wants to sing that, they can do that too. No, 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 don't sing it. Um, so, so what is, like all of these things, like magnificent, beautiful miracles, and then you throw in mazikin? And then look, the burial place of Moshe Rabbeinu, the ram that Avram Avinu used for offering instead of Yitzchak, the last one we'll leave for now. But like what's going on over here? What is the whole idea of Nivru Be'erev Shabbos Be'na Shemashos? What does that mean? It means Hashem is as, as panic-stricken on Erev Shabbos as we are, and He's working up to the last minute. And the good news is, you know, like Rashi says later, that, you know, Hashem finished on the seventh day. How could He finish on the seventh day? You can't create on the seventh day. <laughs> the thing is, the rest of us, we don't know we have the twilight zone. No, no need to repeat the music. We have the twilight zone when it might be the sixth day, it might be the seventh day, so we have to stop early, right? We have to start up at Shkia. We have to stop at sunset. Is sunset the end of the day? No, if it was the end of the day, then Matzah Shabbos, we'd also end at sunset. But we know Shabbos isn't 24 hours, it's 25 hours. Because... We have to be careful on the way in. Maybe it's already Shabbos. We are careful on the way out. Maybe it's still Shabbos. So we don't work till the seventh day. But Hashem, He knows the clock. So He works right up to the last minute. And you thought you were bad. 
What was he? What, what was Hashem doing? So Hashem, like, like, he was taping the light switches, and he was making sure the soda bottles were open. Like, what was he doing exactly? Malach, make sure that Shabbos clock is set. Like, what was Hakadosh Baruch Hu doing? Right. So over here, the last minute, this is what Hakadosh Baruch Hu is doing. He's creating this thing. What does it mean? So the Maral explains. Beautiful. Gorgeous, not just nice. Gorgeous. Of course, this is not last minute. This isn't last minute. But this is the twilight zone between Kodesh and Chol. Between the profane, the plain, the regular secular mundane world, which was created in the sixth day, and the holiness of Shabbos. And when you come to that twilight zone between the profane and the holy, what do you have? You don't have the creation of nature. The creation of nature is created during the six days. The six regular days, weekdays, that's when Hashem creates all of the natural, normal things within the world. But Shabbos is about introducing the metaphysical, the transcendent, holiness, That's what Shabbos is about, right? Nothing physical was created on Shabbos. Says the Mishnah, there are things in the world which are of the world but not of the world. Or let's put it better, they're of this world down here but they're not of this world down here. They're not part of normal course physical scientific cause and effect. But they manifest themselves in this world. The mouth that opened up to swallow Korach, it's down here, but it's cut of a different cloth. It's really the miraculous. Says the Maral, the miraculous elements that are joined into the physical world, those were created between Friday and Shabbos, between the physical world and the spiritual between the physical time and the spiritual time, were created those things that bridge the physical and the spiritual world. Isn't that beautiful? So you can ask questions on it. You could say, hey, there are other miracles. Why only this? What, what makes these, this list of ten? It's a great question. We're not, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there right now. But the notion that that twilight zone of Erev Shabbos is the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. You know, I don't know. To me, it's something. It, it's, it's even a way of, you know, uh, you know, experiencing that moment on Erev Shabbos. You know? Driving to shul, wet behind the ears from your shower, you know, dressed in your Shabbos clothes. You know, it's like... It's weekday to Shabbos. It's, you know, again, it's not miraculous. It's miraculous that we don't have more uh, accidents during the people driving to Shul in those minutes before Shabbos. Right? But, but aside from that, right, it's not, a, it's not a miraculous phenomenon. But, you know, there's such a thing as this bridge between Kodesh and Chol. Beautiful. Now... Let's pause for one second and see that there was one item on the list that wasn't so beautiful. And what was it? The mazikin. Our friends, right? The unfriendly ghosts. 
I have to be careful because Ari Casper's on the uh, on the shear. Um, <laughs> but the 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 um, the, uh, the the you know the un, the unfriendly ghosts they're also there. Why are they there? Well, Ramchal taught us that they also exist somewhere in that space between the physical and the spiritual. Hmm, it matches, right? Doesn't that match? Nice. But we still don't understand why would we understand why Kodesh Baruch would create beautiful presences in the you know spiritual elements within the physical world. We can understand that. Okay, but then maybe he has to also create a negative thing, also a spirit, a, a physical thing, something negative between the physical and the spiritual world, and that's what this is. And we can understand that there has to be a negative component as well. And that's what the mazik is. But now I want to learn with you a medrash, which is unbelievable. Okay, and this is the one which will, will help us, I think, to really understand the shadim. What we said till now, I think, is true and accurate. There has to be a negative force corresponding to the positive force. That's a principle which we're taught in Torah. There's a yetzer tov, there's a yetzer hara. There's bechira. We have that. And there in Zelu Mazel it's a Pasuk in Kaelis. HaKadosh Baruch created one thing opposite the other. It has to be both sides. It's a core principle. But let's understand it better as Mazikin, as damaging forces, as the Shadim, as those shady characters that we've come to you know to know and to recognize in Chazal in many places. What are they? What are they doing here? So the last sources that we're going to look at are the Pasuk on which this Medrash goes. It's a Pasuk at the very end of creation, in the, not the, the, the beginning of the sixth day of creation. The earth should produce, produce living things of their kind. Behema, animals, varemes, and creepers, and living things of the earth, according to their kind. And so it was. Okay, count them. Nefesh chaya, behema, remes, v'chai sayoretz. Four. Now you could say it's not really four. Nefesh chaya is living things. And then three categories. Behema, remes, v'chai sayoretz. Next pasuk. Vayas elokim es chaya sayoretz lamina. Hashem created the chaya sayoretz according to time. Ves habehema lamina. Ves choremes ha'adam alamineu. Okay? So it lists only the three. Which, again, simple pshat, very easy. Nefesh chaya is general. Three types. Behema, remes, and chaysoy eretz. Behema is like domesticated kind of animals. Remes are creepers, right? Like not full-blown animals, reptiles, whatever. And chaysoy eretz are wild animals. No real problem. However, you do notice that the first time it says nefesh chaya, and it says all three. And when it comes to creation, it doesn't say, and Hashem produced nefesh chaya, these three. It just jumps to the three, and it skips the nefesh chaya. Is that a problem? It says the Medish, It refers to the spirit of Adam Arishain. Oh, that's a good solution. Because on the sixth day, what did Hashem create? He created the animals, and then he created man in two stages. So the opening verse, perhaps, incorporates even the creation of man. But then, 
as it unfolds, as Hashem actually does it, first it speaks about the different kinds of animals, and then later it says, which would be going back to the Nefesh Chaya. That's one Midrashic resolution of this. You got it? You follow what I said? Okay, again, the first Pasuk is introducing, according to this, the entire sixth day. Simply when you read it, the sixth day has two parts. The first few psukim is animals. And then that gets created. And then, faced, and Hashem saw that it was good, finished. And then, phase two is the creation of man. But this version of the Medrash says, no, no, no. The first Pasuk tells you what's going to happen the whole sixth day. Man's soul, animals, and then we go and create. Say, okay, now we created the animals, and then later stage we created the man. But listen to Rav Chama Baroshia. Benefashay Saimer Dalid, Kshinivru Huaymer Arts Lumina, Vesabahema, Veskol Remes, Hadama, Chais Arts Lumina, Vesabahema, Atma. He says, in the introduction, it says four. But then when it actually does it, it only says three. I'm surprised. Rebbe Yaimer, Elu Hashadim. You know what the missing one was? The Shadim, the spirits. Shebara Kodesh Baruch Hu Nishmasan, Hashem created their souls. And he was getting ready to create the bodies. Shabbos came too late. I knew I shouldn't have left it to the last minute. You know, it's like you go into the fridge on Shabbos and you see like a bowl of delicious looking chocolate batter. And you say, what's that? And, it's a, and somebody in your house says, that's the recipe that we didn't finish. Hashem created the souls for the Shadim, but then Shabbos came and he couldn't make them. This teaches you, a way of behavior. From the spirits. If a person has a precious item, a gem, Friday afternoon as it's getting dark, we tell him, can't carry it, throw it away. I'll prove it to you. I'll show you a paradigm. The creator of the world? He was busy creating the world. He created souls of the Shadim. Ba Livrei says Gufan, he came to create their bodies, the Kidei Shabbos, and Shabbos came Lebron. sorry Charlie, too late, and he didn't create them. The creation of the Shadim is an example for all of us that don't say, hey, I'm in the middle, let me finish. No, respect the Shabbos, put it aside. Shadim are unfinished business, unfinished creations. Now, we understand that it wasn't that HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgot to synchronize his watch. That this is also intended. And why is it intended? Okay, maybe it's to teach you Derech Eretz. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you see, when Shabbos comes, I stopped. And even though that left some unfinished, you know, goblins, it didn't matter. I, I, I'm going to leave it that way. They were meant to be created in a body, but then it didn't happen. Okay. You always have to know how to read a medrash 
Hashem didn't run out of time, but maybe it's a demonstration of it. But let's take it a step deeper, as we always must. First of all, you now understand this Medrash is giving you a different perspective on what we've seen from the Mishnah and Avos and from the Ramchal. And that is that this creature is not quite a spiritual creature and not quite a physical creature. It's somewhere in between. What does that mean? So we say Erev Shabbos Ben Hashemoshes is between spirituality and physicality. So one way to view that is that it's something of a hybrid. It's partially... But now we understand in a certain sense it's a soul that was meant for a body and never got it. It was a soul that was meant for a body and never got it. That's an interesting place between spirituality and physicality. No? What do you think? Yes, Lama David? Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Still can't hear you. I'm sorry. Rabbi Howard, what would you think if, if it was this, this if, if it was completed with this shade with the body be a positive thing in any way or would it be a negative thing? So let's talk about that. So the body wasn't created for it. Imagine how horrible it would be if it would be, if it had a body. So what I would like to submit to you is, no, it's exactly in this medrash that we have the reason why they are shadim. If it was created with a body, they would be wonderful citizens, model citizens of the world. The problem is that they are frustrated. They're souls which were created for a body and were never given one. So where do they go? Where do they go? Shadim are seen to occupy places where actual human beings, where physical life isn't. Where you'll find a big presence of physical life. Right? The daytime, you don't worry about Shadim. Right? Because that's when you have their physical life. And the Shadim have no place to prey upon. Right? That physical world is well is taken. Night, the physical world is to some degree unoccupied. The desert, the abandoned building. There's a physical world here that is not filled, that's not being used. The shade is the spirit that looks to get there. And so it comes and it preys upon it and fills it. It's looking for its place still. As a frustrated soul that was created without a body and it wants to get into the body. That's the damaging force called the Shadim. Where there was physical life, but now it's absent, or where there was never physical life, that's where the shade comes 
It's a spirit which is coming to fill the physical world. But isn't it fascinating that where there's live, vibrant life, it steps back. You don't have to worry about them there. You don't have to worry about them there. The shade is between the spiritual and the physical. It's true. It's a mazik. It's a damaging force. And it's a damaging force because it's coming to try to occupy those places of emptiness within the world. And when a person goes and tries to go into those spaces, he'll find the shadim there. Now, I don't think, again, it's a midrashic conveyance of what the shade is. But I want to plug this in for you to something. There's another name for Shadim. You know what it is? Seirim. Seirim. Right? The Pasuk says in Parshas, Acharemos v'lo yizbechu od esivchem la seirim asher heim zonim acharehem. They will no longer offer their offerings to the seirim that they follow after. Who are, what are the seirim? Rashi teaches the Shadim. People offered offerings to these spirits. You know what the classic offering to that spirit was? Or I shouldn't say the classic offering, but the counter offering to that spirit was the Sawyer La'azazel. You know, on Yom Kippur, we have a crazy thing. Right? We bring two goats, exactly the same, two Seirim, exactly the same, one of them is taken into the Holy of Holies, the ultimate closeness to Hashem, the place of residence of Hashem Yisbarach. And the other one is taken out into the desert and thrown off a cliff. One of them is a korban, brought close, and the other one is a rochkan, sent far away, lazazel, off a cliff, utter destruction. Polar opposites. This, these two goats, which are twins, right? ideally they're shavim, b'maro, v'kaimah, they look similar, they diverge completely. One goes this way, and one goes that way. And the Ramban writes, and this is found very, it's very, it's in the Zaira Kodesh, that in a certain sense, it's an offering to Uzzah and Azoel, to the spirits. Now how do we do that? So that gets into all kinds of interesting, interesting things. But it's not an offering in the fullest sense. It's a dismissal. It's throwing it away. It's throwing it off the cliff. But it's the two opposites. Now, we throw it off the cliff. We utterly destroy it. Chazal tell us for what it's uh, for, for 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 what you can get from it. That that's on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, there's no Yetzer Hara. There's no satan. There's no negative side. You know what the gematria is of the numerical value is of the word hasatan? 364. Why? Because it has one day where it doesn't function in a, in a year. And that's Yom Kippur.
why doesn't it, why doesn't it function in Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is so filled with the spirit that the Satan doesn't come close. Yom Kippur is the day when we engage ourselves completely in the spiritual world. We don't engage in the physical world at all. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't anoint ourselves. We don't, we don't do anything physical, virtually. We're like malachim, we're like angels. So the Satan completely and totally backs off. We can go into the Holy of Holies where a person can't go. Even the Kayin Gadol is not called an Adam, say Chazal. We're so completely in the spiritual, the Satan completely backs off. Who, by the way, was called Seir? Who's associated with Seir? Besides Shadim? Esav. Esav, exactly. Esav was an Ish Seir. Right? He was a hairy guy. Seir means hair also, like goats, which are called, a Seir is a goat. Goats are very hairy. They're not woolly, they're hairy. And remember, where did Esav actually end up residing? In a place called Har Seir, the Mount of Seir. And the fact that Esav is associated with Seir and negative forces, spooks, are associated with Seir is not a coincidence. Esav is a destructive force. By the way, Esav was a twin. Two twins, Yaakov and Esav. Now you would say, okay, but they weren't identical. They were polar opposites. Well, were the Soyer Lashem and Soyer Lazazel identical? They looked identical, but they were polar opposites. Yaakov and Esav even look different. That's the good news. And you know what Chazal tell us about Yaakov and Esav? They say that when Yaakov is in force, he has nothing to worry about Esav. Esav is completely neutralized. It's only when Yaakov doesn't use the kol Yaakov, doesn't use the voice of Yaakov, doesn't use the fill the houses of prayer and the houses of study, doesn't engage in prayer and in study. So then Yaakov is not using his spirit. So then the hands of Esav rise up. But when Yaakov is alive and present, Esav is a non-entity, a non-force to be reckoned with. Do you understand what we're seeing here? There's, a, there's something which was created that would want to occupy the physical world. It's a soul that was created for a body. But you know what happened? The sanctity of Shabbos came and stopped it from being able to occupy a body. And it is constantly frustrated by the fact that holiness stopped it from being able to find a place. But as long as there is life, as long as there is spirit, as long as there is holiness, as long as you go to a place where bodies are occupied with the spirit, that thing is just going to have to back off. It has no place. But where we don't fill the spirit, it comes in and says, hey, come on, there's room for me here. 
there's room for me here. That's the power of the Shadim. That's why the Gemara, for instance, in Maseches Brachas tells about, who was it? Was it Rav Hanina ben Tradion? I, I'm trying to remember if it was Rav Hanina ben Tradion or Rav Hanina ben Dosa. I think it was Rav Hanina ben Dosa, who there was a place which was known, haunted as like anything, occupied by spirits. He went in there, he davened, completely unfazed. He was so filled with the spirit, they had to back off. That, right? Its heads rolled off. Whatever, it's a, it's a fantastic agadita that the Gemara tells over there. But on a basic level, where human life is present, the shade backs off. It's looking for a physical home, but it can't compete with real life. It only comes where life has absented itself, where it could be, should be, would be. Or, otherwise it's left to the desert, which can't be occupied by life. Or to the nighttime, which can't be occupied by life. That's where it can go. Right? We don't live there, so to speak. You seed the ground, and that's where it will be. And to the extent that we seed the, bra- the ground, so then the shade and flourish. The mazik can flourish. There are elements of the spirit that are completely negative. And if we don't fill ourselves with elements of the spirit that are completely positive, they will come in and say, hey, he left me some terrain, he left me some space. So this exists in the world. It has to exist in the world. Nayak even has to save it in the Mabel because it's a world which, within which there exists such tension. But... Tell me something. Did what we learned today, was it just completely heebie-jeebies? Or is there something so immediately practical about this? Imagine, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, what I created in the world is a wannabe. I created in the world something, a spirit, that never got the chance to be all it could be. And it's not going to be able to join the Marines. So it spends its life looking for the opportunity to be all that it can be. And other things are in the way. Things that are really supposed to be get in the way of this thing that never really was given a chance to develop. Oh, if there wouldn't have been a Shabbos, if there wouldn't have been holiness, this thing would have filled the world. So to go back to the question which was asked before... So what would, have, what would these shadim been like if they would have actually filled bodies? It's a great question. Would they be negative forces or would they be positive forces? And I'll tell you, they wouldn't be damaging forces. But you know what they would be? They would be elephants, horses. And by the way, what would we be? That's what we would be too. 
we'd also be elephants and horses. What on earth does he mean? I know what you're thinking. What are you talking about? You understand that Shabbos is the creation of the spiritual in the world. I'm sorry, I'm going, ooh, so over time, I apologize. But I can't leave without, we can't end without saying this. I want to remind you of something which we learned, which is so important, so chashuv. Shabbos is the seventh day. You don't work on the seventh day. When do you work? When do you do the work of the seventh day? You do the work of the seventh day in advance, right? You You have to have food for Shabbos. But you can't make the food for Shabbos. So when do you make it? You make it on Friday. Right? The, the principle is that the work of the seventh day is done in advance. The same was true we learned once, I taught you once, with Hashem. If you look at the sixth day of creation, as we mentioned earlier, it's a double day. First Hashem created the animals, then He created the people. Why? Doubling up on Erev Shabbos because what would have had to have been done on Shabbos can't be done on Shabbos. It has to be created on Friday. What does that mean? That means that man's creation was really a creation that was meant to happen on Shabbos. But you can't create on Shabbos, so you create it on Friday. Why is that? Is that a matter of time? No. Shabbos is bringing the spirit into the world. Man is bringing the spirit into the world. The creation of a man is creation of a spiritual being within the physical world. That's what Shabbos does. If Shabbos never came, that would mean there would be a world without the spirit brought into the world, which would mean all of us would be elephants, orangutans. Darwin would be right. We would have just remained these physical beings without a soul inside of us. The mazikim, those souls that didn't have the bodies that were created for because Shabbos came and said that there's going to be a spiritual being. If Shabbos hadn't come, they would all be these benign, we'd have this benign, meaningless universe of physical beings. But now what we have is a world where there's a human being that contains a spirit, And we have a spirit that has been shut out. The negative spirit has been shut out because the positive spirit, the soul of man, has been given a place. And that negative spirit looms like Esav to try to overcome, to try to take it over, to try to distract, to try to be the soul and spirit of the world. And on that one day in the year when we really take on our spiritual essence, it's completely and totally frustrated, unemployed, neutralized, it gets thrown off a cliff. You're gone. Smashed to smithereens. When human beings are going into the Holy of Holies, that thing is in the garbage. But most of the year, we're not in the Holy of Holies. Sometimes we're more, sometimes we're less. And to the extent that we're more, that spirit says, what am I going to be able to do? And to the extent that we're less, it looms larger. Um, 
someone asked before about the relationship between the name of Hashem and the Shadim. It is not unlikely that we uh, put the mezuzah on our door and it has the name Shakai. To say that this house is occupied, you only put a mezuzah on a house which is occupied. It's supposed to guard the house. It even has on it a little bit of an incantation against spirits, by the way. You know, kuzu bimuksas kuzu. You know what it says on the bottom of the outside. Fill yourself, fill your house, fill your entire life with the spirit. The shadim will be frustrated as anything. You frustrate those shadim. Don't worry, they'll go away. They'll find other places. Tell them, this place is taken. Okay.